Hello and welcome to this episode of the Coaching Podcast from British Canoeing Awarding Body. Hi everyone and welcome to the British Canoeing Awarding Body Coaching Podcast. My name is Lee Pooley, I am the Director of Coaching and Qualifications and I am delighted to be joined today by a founder of the Above Water, um, a huge safety campaigner, and um, just to add a little bit to his CV, uh, a circumnavigation around the UK on a stand-up paddleboard. So um, welcome, Brendan. Hey, how are we doing? Glad to be on. Thank you for having me. No worries at all. Um, Brendan, I've given you a very a very brief introduction there. And um, before we actually get into the subject, which is around safety today that we're going to chat around could you give the listeners a bit of a, a bit of a sort of a little bit of a flavor of where you've come from and you know where you're at now <laughs> that's a big question um thank you oh, do you know what i started um started with a homemade paddle when i was about six yeah, on my parents farm with a with a, a welsh river that we call a reen um at the back of the farm and really the moment I could get out and actually transport to anywhere because South Wales, especially the Newport area, it's not very lovely water. Um, so as soon as I could travel and get out and get to uh, the sea mainly, but but lakes and reservoirs as well in the south, south of Wales, um, I started kayaking and, and kayaking for me was a huge passion. So I did, when I was 18, I did the Upper Indus um, in Pakistan and, and really got a flavour of you know, proper uh, international whitewater and, and loved all that. Um, and did a, a degree off the back of it, as in an outdoor education and P degree down in Plymouth. So that was all focused about the water and became sailing instructor, kayaking instructor and, and got all those badges. Um, and I hadn't planned, hadn't planned the journey that my life went on, but I basically started a teaching a, after a couple of years in London, which I really missed the water at. Um, started uh, a six month to teach at the boys grammar school in Torquay and 23 years later I left so um, it hooked me because of the way I was allowed to just take kids on the water and that was my main job you know as head of outdoor education P to just get as many children on the water and that meant from swimming and and just dipping your toe in the water through to you know expeditions kayaking and 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 sup as it came in and started to come in and surfing and everything else so you know that was kind of my my love of the water through and um because i've had a love of the water and i've been on the water so much you you start to see more and more where things are going wrong and, and let's face it 30 years ago 25 years ago not many people went on the sea in the way that we have now so that grew and grew and grew and i just found you know sailing club on a wednesday night or kayaking or swimming or whatever or a surf life swimming club we were rescuing or bringing more people in than spending time doing our activities. And it just got ridiculous. So I set up a surf lifesaving club to kind of combat that and teach the children in our local area. Um, and then as a lifeguard, a beach lifeguard, I, I've had more than my fair share of awkward, um, life-changing, uh, disastrous moments. And it got to the point where I said to myself, Do you know what, my life has to stop here. Um, and has to do something about this. Um, and I gave up teaching. I set up a charity of water to, because it's all about education, water safety, education from an early age, from four onwards. 
um, should should be indicative to what we do in this country because we live on an island. Mm -hmm. So that's basically me, and I'm on that mission now. And if I can do that mission for the next twenty years and make a difference, that's that's where I'm at. Well, I mean, just sort of, you know, sort of to delve in there a little bit. So you um, you talk about Plymouth, um, and you know, talk about you know, Torquay Grammar School. Um, are you still down? Are you still down in in, in yeah, Torbay? So I'm in Torbay, south coast of Devon. Um, it's my home, and uh, I love it. And I, I, I know I can see the sea now. I won't ever, won't ever leave. It's got me it's hooked. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so based down in the English Riviera, but um, and you know our conversation beforehand is uh, you've just come back from uh, from your travels as well, which uh, sounds extremely exciting. So what we're here to do to talk about today is obviously water safety, which you started to to sort of delve into there. Um, I don't think any anyone listening into the call or anyone sort of you know that that um, as as see, sees the news and sees the rescues that are going on that water safety is really important. But why is why is water safety so important to you to you? You know you know, you, you sort of you alluded to it. But you didn't give us a real sort of you know why 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 the charity why why a huge safety campaign because we know you are. So I'll, I'll give you the brutal reality of water safety. You see a parent uh, watching you trying to resuscitate their child. And you know in your heart of hearts that child is gone, but you are doing your best. That will change your life forever. Mm. You know, whether it's a child, adult, whatever it might be. Um, and that's, that's the brutal reality of, of drowning. It's water is the most fun you can have but when it goes wrong it goes wrong instantly and that that is the problem with water safety you don't know what you don't know so probably the thousands of people that tune into this podcast you know they're on it they know about water safety they know it, but there are millions of people in this country who have never so when i talk to somebody who is two miles off the coast on an inflatable without a leash without a pdf without any ability to get themselves back to shore and they are they don't know what's going on in their world when you chat they don't realize that actually that could have happened to them they didn't realize that actually i could die if i get this wrong it's not there it's not in their psyche they've never been taught it they've never understood it they they watch youtube and red bull uh imagery and see how these old people are doing amazing things and just think well well i can do that can't i i you know this there's nothing to stop me <laughs> um, and that's the naivety of it and the reality of drowning is is instantaneous you know it's it's not something that the films portray you know when you are in that situation it's life and death within seconds yeah and as you say you know it's not like they go out looking for trouble do they you know it's it's, no. it's, it's you know it's just you know maybe they haven't you know they haven't been exposed to you know those things that you just talked about then or been involved with appropriate decision making. Exactly that. And and that's why whenever I engage with people like that, I mean, pretty much every time I go out for a paddle, I'll be towing somebody back in or just having a chat. And it's really about, you know, they're out there for all the same reasons I'm out there. Mm. So, you know, they just didn't realize that actually though there are so many little fine things that can change that if you don't know what you're doing or what to expect or haven't prepared for, then then you are, of course you're, you're in trouble. And and that's why our emergency services are 
you know, pushed to the extreme. Um, but then, you know, we promote blue space thinking, we promoting people getting out there and an adventure and let's, let's, you know, go away from the screens. And, but are we giving them the tools to help them understand that? And, um, you know, doing podcasts and different ways of just getting a message out there is, is trying to work out ways of engaging with the people who wouldn't normally be listening to things like this or wouldn't normally even try and understand what could go wrong because they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And I think, you know, that powerful, powerful sort of explanation right at the start, you said, yeah, I'm going to be brutal about this, is, you know, there's a reality there, isn't there? Um, and then, you know, we've had an increase of paddle sport, you know, paddle sport activity. You know, I think, you know, looking at the figures is around a three million um, increase over a, over a two year period, which is which is phenomenal. The sports are becoming more accessible. You can you can purchase these these items. And, you know, as you say, it's it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's great for, for physical and mental health. Um, but there are other challenges that come with it. Um, so, you know, neither neither myself or, or Brendan are saying you shouldn't be going out. We're actually actively promoting you to go out. But, okay. You know, you know, the question is, Brendan, is, you know, what can what can we do, you know, to keep ourselves safe when we go out on the water? You know, what would your advice be to anyone listening, whether they are experienced or a new novice paddler? Yeah. What advice would you, you, would you give to them? You know what, and before you paddle, it's all about what you, you do on land. Um, so paddling around Britain, I could spend two hours planning a 10 minute section so that in my mind, I understood every eventuality of what can happen when you are 20 K off the coast, or you are going around a headland and you are 50 K from the nearest anything you know you really had to plan because the last thing you want when you're on the water is surprises that you you know really hit you hard if it's a proper surprise you know you can never you, i know i you know i've had orcas come up to my board you can never allow for the surprise that something like that happens but you can allow for understanding what weather's doing flow your experience to know that actually it doesn't matter that i'm in this storm and I'm going to be out here for 12 hours in this storm because I've got the ability to paddle back in afterwards. You know, it's it's making sure that when you're on the land, you've worked it all out. And if you if you haven't, then that's when you're not going out or you restrict yourself to limit what you're trying to achieve. And I, I find a lot at the minute uh, the paddlers that have on stand up paddle boards who have you know, dip their toe in the water over the last few seasons and now thinking, do you know what? I've always wanted to go around that headland. Mm -hmm. So so that would be an adventure, wouldn't it? What do I need to do to understand what going around that? And a lot of, I spend a lot of time doing just that, talking to people, um, trying to give them the understanding of what going around the corner really means. Because that's where the dangers are, because that's where conditions change. Mm -hmm. So we do a basic thing where we say, stop, look and listen to start which is the obvious you stop you know you might have driven 10 hours to get somewhere but actually just because you've driven there and put all that effort in doesn't mean you're going out so you stop and you think um and, and you you evaluate and you spend you know i could spend i could spend an hour looking at swell 
before I go into it to really plan how I'm going to get out there on the wall, how I'm going to get out if things are going to go horribly wrong when it's, you know, when it's massive. So the thinking time and then uh, listening, that's really important to so speak to people. If you don't know an area, speak to people, because unless you, unless you can read water, you don't know what's going to happen until it's happened. Mm. So stop looking, listen is a really big thing um, for what we try and promote. And then, you know, all the basics of what is your exit strategy? That's so important. How are you, if it all goes horribly wrong, how are you getting out? So have you got comms? Have you got the ability to be out there whilst it's all going wrong? So that you can calmly make a decision to get yourself out. And and understanding that nature, nature doesn't work at your time frame, it works at its time frame. So just because you want to get out now doesn't mean so I've been in situations where I want to get out, but I know I'm not gonna get out for well, there was a situation where I paddled around a headland uh, on the northeast coast of Scotland, and the conditions were such that I knew the wind would take me offshore. And it took me offshore 20k offshore. And I knew that it would swirl and move. Um, so I knew it would bring me back in. So yeah, eight hours later, I just went with it until I came back in. But you know, if you're out there and you panic in those situations, you can't fight it, you can't go against it. But you've read it, you've understand it, and you've planned for it. And this is a, a, a course a lot more advanced, but for the general user. It's all about what you do on the land before you go out. You know, those basics, give yourself the best chance. So attach yourself to your massive floating um, device with a leash. Get yourself a buoyancy aid, which let's face it, buoyancy aids come in so many different types now. It's not your, your old school regulation uh, uh, center boy. You know, I, I use lots of inflatable versions that just sit around the waist and are fantastic, you know, activated by the water or self-activated. Um, there are so many ways of, and it, you know, the apps now, uh, long gone are the days where you spent hours looking at charts and trying to work it all out with flow. And, and now you just, there's some great apps to understand. And, and you, you know, as long as you use a, two or three apps, they're, they're highly active, they're highly accurate. Yeah. yeah and, uh, you know, you know, you know, you talking about, you know, your, your career, you know, as, as you got into water sports, you know, you did your degree, et cetera. And, um, you know, when you started talking about buoyancy aids about, you know, I remember, you know, those ribbed red buoyancy aids, <laughs> yeah. no one could move in, you know, and you fell in the water and, you know, you had to get someone to pull you out. And as you say, you know, buoyancy aids, PFDs have changed dramatically that gives you a full range of movement. And half the time you don't even realize you've got it on, but actually if you end up in the water, at least you know you're, you're floating you talk about comms as well um you know what type of you know what type you know you obviously have used quite a, a variety of comms but what what would you be advising for a you know for someone who's gonna you know put their put their you know their sup on the on the water today well something i was i was super surprised at is actually how good the signal is on 98 percent of our water you know, you could be in the most remote place in Scotland and have 5G on the water and have nothing on the land. <laughs> so it's understanding that. So I always carry two phones with me on two different networks whenever I'm paddling around a corner. Because that's, as I say, when you need to have that. I always carry a VHF with me. But of course, the problem with VHS is there are less and less places that, or less and less people who are, are listening. So that's why the phone as well. And then I carry an EPIRB and I, I also carry a satellite um, push button distress 
as well as all i don't carry any um old school flares but i carry all the, the the digital versions of that now as well so i've got stuff to identify me in the water if i need to but i've got stuff to send out a message as well but you know that's all you know i used to say when if, if an orca came and took my leg then i'd call for emergency but otherwise i sh i shouldn't be going out there unless i can plan how i'm getting back and because for me to be able to to, to call emergencies i've i've done something wrong because i haven't planned it i haven't worked it out i haven't done what i needed to do so that's a big part of why i spend you know sometimes i spend hours planning the most tiny sections of trying to get around the uk yeah and you know and you know although you you know you you go you probably go down to uh down onto talky seafront and get on there and have a bit of a paddle around when you've only got you know a short amount of time but you do some big you do some big trips as we all know um but in reality the the message is the same isn't it you plan you make sure you you've got the right equipment um and you know you tell someone where you're going exactly that there's, there's no difference in that you know, the more you do, the more experience you have, the more you do up here rather than kind of down here. Um, and for for new new to uh, to any water sport, it can be a little bit daunting to start with, and that's why you just keep it simple and break it down. You give them pointers of right, what do you what are you doing first? Firstly, have you got all the right equipment to go on your your journey? Secondly, let's so let's look at the conditions. So we say, for example, the, the classic one is check the tides, but for most people, they have no idea actually what that means. Yeah. What are they checking? And you know, other than for access to know that there's water there, for example, um, what are we checking for? We're not actually checking for height. It means nothing. But what it does, what you're trying to work at is flow. And flow is for me one of the biggest concerns of any of water sports that we just don't most people don't understand the way the water flows around our country. Mm -hmm. You know, we still have people, still have instructors that teach that. Well, the tide when they're coming in that means the water's coming in so flowing in and when the tide goes out that means the water's flowing out and you know if you're in an estuary then yeah that makes sense but anywhere else it doesn't and you know trying to get over those um kind of you know my grandfather used to teach me that because he knew no better but it, we've moved on and, and trying to get that across is can be hard sometimes mm, yeah absolutely I, I i remember when i started see you know paddling on the sea and I was thinking, why on earth am I having so it's like paddling in treacle it was. <laughs> um, but it wasn't actually the water wasn't going with the tides, what what I what I sort of you know saw. And it was around back eddies, you know, the creation of back eddies and you know that just that raising of awareness. But what I'd be keen to do, Brendan, is you know, be keen to sort of delve in a little bit more into into yourself really and um, you know planning you talked about you know all the stuff you do prior to that and that's come across really strongly but what about when you're on the water you know because you know decision making isn't just prior it's decision making it's almost dynamic decision making all the time and i wondered if you could you know give us a bit of an idea of your your sort of process that you go from go through sorry and maybe some environmental cues that you might be trying to pick up on or or yeah. know yeah uh, do you know what what you've hit upon there is without doubt the most people say oh, going around britain that must be really hard on the body yeah 
uh, going around Britain must have been really hard for this, that and the other. What is really hard is exactly what you just said. You've got 40% of your brain constantly monitoring what is going on. Like a, a computer in the background, constantly looking at what the water's doing, constantly looking at what the weather's doing, constantly looking at the geography of the land because how that affects both those things. Mm. You know, and then what else? You know, is are you coming up to a a shipping lane? Are you coming up to you know what human elements are gonna come in to kind of throw a bit of spice in there as well? So that is that dynamic assessment is is tiring. It really is when you're going for hours and hours and hours. And and that's why to do the planning bit helps with it beforehand. Mm. So you might be on a stretch of water which has you know, you're on there for 60K, so you've got four headlands to deal with. Those four headlands, well, the tide's going to change at some point. So how are you reacting to get around those headlands? How are you working with countercurrents? All the time, you've, you've looked at what the national weather has told you. But the national weather really kind of just just influences what local weather is doing. The local weather is what will will help you or, or kill you, get it wrong. So how is that national weather gonna, gonna transfer to local weather? Plus what, what are the temperatures? How's that gonna affect air movement? I mean, as a paddleboarder, you are like a cork in the ocean. You are susceptible to everything that's happening underneath you as flow. So you really gotta know what's going on there because you only need a flow of two knots and really starts making life a little bit harder. Um, wind, you only need something 15 miles an hour and that really starts to make life hard and let's face it on the coast it's always kind of at least 15 miles an hour so you are constantly looking at those elements and when they i always say one element is fine two elements you can work with when three elements start kicking in you've got to start thinking about are you out there for the right reasons and do you need to get off um so if things are three things are working against you it starts to become really hard and you are constantly looking and changing and within the, the uk the, twice twice i got things wrong um once was up in scotland where i knew where the funk was coming through 20k to my inland and i could see it the whole time and i'm panicking everything's good and it literally hit a mountain bounced off you know no weather planning can can understand that that was going to happen but when it bounced off it had to go somewhere and it came in my direction you know so it, you're constantly looking at them for that particular scenario i i opted to just paddle out to sea and i just paddled as hard as i could directly out of sea because i knew that where the worst was going to be was in that first 10k around around the coast and you know you endure it you you, you know it's going to pass you know it's going to move on and then and then you paddle in but those dynamic assessments are so important yeah. and being able to read that water is is paramount for such for such activities yeah and when you talk about reading water and uh, you know i'm trying to sort of you know get you to sort of you know what are the what are the sort of things that you might be seeing you know a classic one is you know people talk about you know look at the flags you know are the flags going in the right direction but what other things would you know because you know you, you talk about you know you're globally looking out you're watching out for them but what are you watching out for you know you're watching for certain things that might give away that certain flows certain wind directions so what are you looking for so so flow in the water especially if you're paddling in the summer you've got you've got crab boys 
everywhere. You know, there, there are millions around our coast. They're a great obvious tell of which direction the flow is going. What you're really looking for are the finer points. So even to the point where you're looking at jellyfish, jellyfish love to swim side on to the current. So you look at that, which way are the birds taking off? Because they'll always take off in direction of the wind. So where you're paddling, you're thinking, right, I think I'm in the, the full flow here, but I thought it would be better than this. So you're looking around and actually you're suddenly thinking, well, I'm looking at the way the ripples are affected there because I know the wind's doing something, but which means that the, the flow should be doing something. Else. And then you move her in there and you're suddenly you're going four knots because it's a lot stronger there. You're constantly looking for that and little telltale signs for that. And geography has a great way of moving water to, to concentrate it. And you're looking for those elements because if you can get in five knots of flowing water rather than one and a half, you know, your day is going to be a lot easier. So you're constantly looking for that and never settling for second best because there's always something going on there. Um, you know, watching birds, you know, you've got wind on your back and you're flying and you look ahead and you're seeing all the birds a kilometre away taken off into you um, or away from you or you or different. And you're thinking, actually, that wind is changing. And then you see that actually there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a estuary bay and that's going to affect the wind. So, you know, it's so you're preparing for it all the time. Yeah. No, that, that that's, that's great, Brendan. And I think, you know, one of those things is, you know, you haven't learned that from a book, have you? No. Do you know, you learn it when you get it wrong. Mm. When you get it wrong, you don't get it wrong a second time when you're 10K and slogging um, out at sea. You, you, you learn it very quickly. But like you say, you have to go through that process to really fully understand it. Um, and there are lots of brilliant books out there, but it's really hard to articulate such such dynamics of 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 weather and flow especially to understand it to be able to paddle in it and make the most of it yeah and it's almost you know you you don't want to you know in terms of when people going out paddling it's you know think about their ability think about the environment they're going in and and don't go full into you know environments and winds and tides that they're just they're just not got not used to yeah no exactly that Exactly. Yeah. That. You know, if you ever you're pushing yourself, you should be with other people who already know that experience and been there to to guide you through it. Yeah. Yeah. Brendan, this is uh, this has been it's been a great chat. And, and anyone that listens to this is uh, knows that it is it is a it is a bit of a chat. And it's and it was great to be able to for you to be able to give up your si some of your time to talk to me uh, today. Um, one thing I always like to finish off a podcast is. Um, What's next for you then? Because, uh, you know, you, you're the founder of Above Water, the charity. You know, you're an avid safety campaigner. You know, you've paddled around, uh, you've paddled around the UK. I know you've just come back from the Faroe Islands. Um, you know, you're going to have a bit of time off. Um, you know, what, what are you, you going to do? Oh, you got to make hay while the sun is shining. So, um, yeah, so my, my world record attempt for this summer is seven days at sea. Um, which actually is seven nights at sea and eight days at sea. So the, the current unofficial record of getting on a paddleboard, which is a flat deck paddleboard, so no cabin or anything like that, and having everything on that board that you need, so you're not allowed to get any extra water or anything like that, yeah. is five days. So eat, sleep, paddle, repeat, five days. So I'm hoping to do seven or eight. Um, and what I love about this particular adventure 
is it's it's a great way to demonstrate because I don't have to get anywhere. I'm not I'm going to leave Torbay and I'm not heading in any way in particular other than I'm going to go with the conditions. So wherever the conditions take me, that's I'm going to go with that flow, going to go with that wind. At night, find places where I know I can hide and just have a bit of a sleep, although I'll probably do more sleeping in the day because it's safer to sleep in the day than it is at night. Mm -hmm. um, and just be on a board for, for seven days, set that world record to demonstrate what can be done when you have the right kit. And that's a big importance because obviously the type of board I'm on, mm -hmm. how I'm going to sleep, how I'm going to eat on the board, you know, do all those things uh, is, you know, people are really interested to see and find out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, people are listening going like, ah, well, you know, one, some people might be going, you're, you're mad. Um, and <laughs> I get but, that a lot. Yeah. But where, where, where can we follow this at all? Can we yeah, follow? yeah. So um, obviously follow the long paddle and uh, above water. So the long paddle is my paddling kind of channel um, and above water is the charity. And, and we're trying to promote both. Yes. So um, it's going to happen the last week of July, first two, three weeks of August, a so weather window in there um, and i'm actually going to have 24 7 coverage so at any point you can just see what brendan's doing um uh, is he paddling is he sleeping is he eating is he what's he doing on the board you know where is he where's he going um so yeah phenomenal um, um as i said before brendan thanks very much uh, for your time and really appreciate it and, and uh, i hope uh, people enjoy enjoy this as much as i did so uh, yeah thanks very much and you take care Awesome, Lee. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. Remember to review, rate and subscribe. Bye for now.